it's your it's your girl coach tab manning here and we are back with women empowered win podcast i am so glad to be back with you all um we are just wrapping up the month of may and as you all know we have been discussing mental health mental health awareness mental illness and everything around the mental wellness topic for the month of may Um, Because we know that it is that May is the month of mental um, health awareness, I felt that it was my social responsibility to handle these topics, which are very, very passionate to me. Um, As being a person who has challenges sometimes with my own mental health, um, I felt that it was very important because there's so many within our community who deal with this. And so, you know, we talked about earlier in the month with our psychotherapist, Shonda Conyers, the stigma behind counseling and therapy and, you know, where that stems from. From and how to destigmatize that. And then we had Coach um, Anna on here a few weeks ago, and she delved into, um, you know, just healthy regimens and healthy thought processes and things of that nature to kind of, you know, keep, will help you to stay positive. But this week we have Dr. Jasmine Kears. And she is a physician that's studying psychiatry here in Metro Atlanta, and she has been doing so for several years. And guys, you want to make sure that you tune in and that you give her your full attention because she is going to deep dive. This is why I saved this one for last because, you know, we touched on multiple topics and different things like that. But this one is really going to be our deep dive into different forms of mental illness, um, how to cope and um, symptoms and different treatment options and all of those things we're going to cover today. So you want to make sure that you are tuned in and that you are listening intently because you do not want to miss this podcast. This is also one that you all might want to save and share with others who you know may benefit from this. Um, because that's what it's all about. So before we jump into our interview today with Dr. Kears, I just wanted to give you a quick bio on her work and what she has done. Because like I told you guys before, I always want to make sure that I am bringing you guys, um, that I'm bringing you all, you know, top-notch professionals, people who, you know, have you know, credentials and and who are very knowledgeable in their field. I don't bring you anyone here that does not speak from experience, from education, and and from that perspective. So let me go ahead and jump into Dr. Kearse's bio. So Dr. Jasmine Kearse, again, is a physician practicing psychiatry in Metro Atlanta for several years. She completed her residency at one of the most extensive psychiatric facilities in the state of New Jersey then returning to Atlanta to provide her expertise to a community that helped grow and nurture her as a physician. For many years before deciding to explore the private practice world, Dr. Kears worked as a highly acute, acute, a highly acuity psychiatrist in a local Atlanta psychiatric facility. Guys, please pardon me, my tongue is getting away from me today. Uh, The unique exposure allows Dr. Kears to have a deep understanding of the management of mental health patients at their worst. Her goal is to provide you with psychiatric treatment specifically catered to you as an individual, assisting in rejuvenating your outlook, preserving your stability, and hopefully preventing any severe decompensation. Dr. Kears's model is the only difference between those perceived to be functional and you are coping skills. You can do this, and with her help, the beginning path to your fully functional self is just an appointment away. Although Dr. Kears continues to work with the highly acute population, she has a particular interest in women's and perinatal health. 
She provides in-depth knowledge of biological and psychological factors causing disturbances in the mentation of females. This includes ladies who have suffered pregnancy loss, fetal demise, abortions, loss of children, the inability to become pregnant, those with no desire to mother children, and those women with failed attempts. She can also provide treatment options for sexual dysfunction. Perinatal psychiatry combines skills designated for women at their most vulnerable and possibly stressful times. Dr. Kearse also specializes in the sensitive area of men's health. She is a firm believer that men choose to neglect their mental health to appear strong, which only leaves them in a constant struggle of societal demand and caring for themselves. She provides treatment options for those who struggle with their appearance, sexual dysfunction, societal hangups, depression, and more. Children and Adolescent Services is a tender yet rewarding topic. There are many labels placed on our children. Dr. Kears strives to remove the stigma, evaluate your child, and focus on the individual, not the symptoms as described. She has a unique bond with the adolescent population, using creative and interactive therapy to engage young minds. Dr. Kears is also a strong supporter of the LBGTQI population, and encourages expressing one's inner self is not what others perceive as correct. She reminds the LBGTQ population that she is here to listen, support, promote, and help bridge the gap between your struggles. Wow, that is a lot. (laughs) That is a lot. But everyone, I want you to please, again, give a warm welcome and a listening ear to Dr. Jasmine Kears. Welcome, Dr. Kears. Thank you so much. Uh, First, I just want to tell you, thank you for bringing me on to your podcast. This is truly an honor um, on my end. And um, I want to thank you for actually providing this podcast to your audience. This is something we definitely need. and, And I am truly, truly, truly thankful to be here. Thank you. Thank you for being with us and for taking time out of your schedule. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate just you, you know, a you know, agreeing to come on the show, because as you stated, this is something that's needed. It's something that, you know, um, it, it's, it has to be done. Right. And, you know, sometimes being able to find a doctor to come on with your busy schedules with, you know, all that they have going on, you know, to, to get them to be able to, you know, carve out that time in their schedule to come and sit and talk with us. So I just appreciate you taking time out because I know that your mom, you're a doctor, you have, you know, family and, and all of that stuff going on. So I just want to thank you so much again for being with us. You're welcome. And that is never an issue with me. Um, one thing I'm about is uh, community support. We cannot get better as a whole if we are not available. Um, so I am always here. So if anybody's out there um, needs anything, all they have to do is reach out because, like I said, I, I love our community. I love being able to get into our community, support our community, and just provide a, a, a service for well-being, like you said earlier. Absolutely. So as I was sitting here reading through your bio, I didn't realize that, for one, I didn't realize that you um, dealt with so many different areas um, within mental, you know, mental um, health issues. 
Um, and I especially, as I was reading the part about men, because that's something that we did not get to cover really, um, because of course this podcast, most of my, my majority of my audience is women. It's a woman's empowerment podcast. However, I do have male listeners and I am so thankful for the men who do listen to this podcast. So even though the, the message is usually geared towards women, it's still a universal message that can be applied to men as well. But um, specifically, uh, we, we know that, you know, um, mental illness is something that is definitely, um, you know, something that's 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 not discussed, especially within black families. I'll just say that um, majority. But even more so, like as women, we're starting to, you know, I think we're a little bit more open to embracing therapy and counseling and different things like that, as opposed to men, because as you said, men feel like when they have to, um, you know, admit that or, or deal with that, that it somehow, you know, takes away from their ego or from their manhood and they don't feel like they're being strong. So I, I really like the fact that you, um, you know, that you specialize in that because it is a sensitive area. And I feel like our men need to be supported. I mean, they're dealing with so much within this world and sometimes they have no outlet. They have nowhere to just, you know, let that go and to, you know, to be able to be vulnerable and to be able to allow themselves to, to have those emotions because they feel like they can't. I know plenty, plenty of men who deal with that. You know, even with my son, I, I make it a point to talk to my son and since the time that he was a child I've always made it so that he felt that he was in a safe space in an environment where he could talk to me where he could share what he's going through where he could cry if he needed to because I never wanted him to be raised up in a mentality that you know he can't show his emotions like you might have to feel like you have to be you know a certain way without in the streets and all of that and I get that but when you come home this is your safe space. This is your place for you to be able to, you know, un- let it all out and talk to someone because holding all of that stuff in, of course, is unhealthy. And I know that you're going to get into that a little bit later. So I just wanted to really highlight that piece. I felt like all of it was really good. And the fact that you're on this podcast, um, you know, I, of course, I know you were a doctor and, and, and that you were in this field, but I didn't know what your special, you know, your areas of specialty were. Yes. And so... Um, it makes it even better that you're here on a podcast for women as you um, as we um, spoke about the uh, as we spoke about the um, the woman's in perinatal health and, and, and you know um, in those um, in those areas so we're gonna jump all into that right now but I just um, I was already glad that you were here. And then after reading your bio, I was like, oh my God, like she deals with all of this stuff. That's a lot, that's a, a lot. And it's all good stuff that we need to get into because our listeners, I am sure that with everything that I named, I am sure that there are listeners who have dealt with at least one of those things on there. So. Yes, yes, that is so true. Um, number one, just to you know, um, wrap up with talking about our men. Um, the reason is so important for even us as women to hear about the struggles with men is that we support them. Like you said, you have to support your son. Um, Someone might have to support their husband. You might have to support your brother, your uncle, your father, and you need to know what's going on with them. They are very unique. Like our men are very, very strong. And that is a societal um, demand from them. They have to be strong, which is ridiculous because you should not have to be strong and be the strength 
all the time. And that type of buildup just leads to anger and outbursts, depression. Um, the biggest thing for men that they hate when they go into their own type of um, mental health crisis is that they lose their function to have sex. Um, they don't want that. So um, obviously you want to be in a position to provide assistance to whatever male is in your life so that you guys can both be functional and not just working on yourself because as a whole when you are a woman whether you're single um in a you know in a dating relationship if you're married it doesn't matter at some point you are the anchor that may be the string that ties everything together especially for your men and your family so it is very important yeah Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um (laughs) yes and the one thing um i like to say about psychiatry and i think this is a um, a misunderstanding within our community. Um, psychiatry deals with the um, biological, psychological, um, and physiological uh, realm of your brain. So basically, I like to tell people I'm the brain doctor. Um, I, I'm not a I'm not a um, psychotherapist, although I provide therapy. I am not a psychologist. I am a psychiatrist. Um, And the main difference is, is that I can tie everything together and come up with a treatment plan for you that includes possible medication management, which scares everybody, Um, (laughs) (laughs) psychotherapy, (laughs) as well as some other kind of like group settings. Uh, We also have the capabilities of doing like family therapy, marriage counseling, Um, spiritual therapy there are all kind of things that we can do so it's not just limited to medications I think everyone has this idea that a psychiatrist is immediately going to put you on medications I am here to tell you my whole purpose is that you are functional without medications now if you need medications we gotta do what we gotta do right (laughs) so So I just um, like for everybody just to take that. If you don't, if you don't leave with anything else today, please understand that psychiatrists are not your enemies. We are not trying to force medications on yourself, especially we are not trying to force medications on your children. Those are young brains. We're trying to preserve those. Um, so that's very important to me. Yes, and I'm so I'm so glad that you brought that up because. Um, explain explaining the different um, the different studies of medicate I mean I'm sorry of of this field um, the difference between psychiatrists psychologists therapists psychotherapists because um, most people who you know may be ignorant to this field they just kind of group them all together I know for a po- at a point in time I did as well just kind of starting to uh, gain understanding on the different levels and what each doctor does differently and what their area of expertise is. Um, I can remember once upon a time when I, one of my therapies, I mean, one of my therapists that I um, was uh, seeing at one point for counseling, I thought that she had the ability to write prescriptions. And at that time, I, the way I was feeling, I was like, look, I need, I needed some medicine. And she's like, well, I couldn't even give you medicine because, you know, I'm not, License. I'm. That's not my area. I'm here to counsel and there, you know, and give therapy. But I cannot write, you know, prescriptions like that. So, again, this is one of the reasons why I felt it was important to have this podcast because a lot of people don't even know that the differences within this field. 
You're absolutely right. Um, and there's even differences within the, the therapy realm because most people uh, may or may not go to therapy. Um, and you really have to choose your therapist wisely. What I like to tell people is, number one, you need to do your research before you pick your therapist um, because you have your regular um <clears throat> regular group of therapists that call themselves psychotherapists usually those are um, licensed clinical workers um or they have a master's in um social work um and those are your therapists that you're going to get to do your talk therapy where you're going to get to do your regular what's called cognitive behavioral therapy um you might be able to step into the other realms of therapy but if you need something more if you're the type of person that would really like to break down who you are from the beginning of your life to where you are currently and then move past that to the future you may be someone that needs to look up a psychoanalytic therapist (laughs) and so it gets real deep (laughs) because that person has gone through extensive training that even i have not done i mean i could not do that for you because that's not my area of expertise. That person has had their own um, psychological assessment where their life has been broken down over a course of two years. And this is an intense training. So if you're someone that needs that, then you have to make sure you find the correct specialist. So, um, you know, the thing that you always want to do is make sure that you educate yourself on the different type of services that are out there so that you're, number one, not wasting time. And and number two, you're making sure you're getting the best care for you. The other thing is um, you want to make sure that you actually vibe with your therapist. I don't know how many times people will stay in therapy for months knowing that they don't like their therapist. Come on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's so so counterproductive. I had a friend of mine that was seeing a therapist and he said, yeah, you know, I go... um, but I don't tell her anything, you know, I don't, I, 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 I'm like, well, why are you going? You're wasting your time. If you're going and you're lying to your therapist or you're not sharing with your therapist, then you're really wasting your time and that therapist's time. And to your point, yes, you have to vibe. I remember I had found the therapist a few years ago and you know, I, had, I had looked her up and did research and she seemed like she would be a good fit on paper. And so I typically will give, a, you know, a, a, a two to three sessions top to just kind of see because a relationship, you, you do have to give it time to, you know, get established. So I'm not going to be a one and done. But I went to her maybe two to three times and there was just no connection there, like whatsoever. And so I ended that relationship and it wasn't anything personal against her. I just felt like she wasn't it for me. So, yes, I agree with you. You do have to make sure that you do your research and at that um therapist will you know be beneficial to you so then you know again we're we're speaking about wellness and being healthy so why would you go to someone and spend your money and spend your time if you're not getting the services you need to be healthy (laughs) yeah it's it's, it's just something that that people have to understand you're it's okay for you to tell your therapist you know what we're we're not clicking (laughs) and i'm gonna have to find somebody else and honestly a good therapist will go you know what that is okay. Let me give you some referrals. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. There is enough people in the state of Georgia or outside the state of Georgia, hell, in the world uh, for everybody to have patience. So people shouldn't be so greedy that they continue a relationship when they know that no progress is being made. Um, so that's why, you know, you got to speak up for yourself. But that's a part of therapy, just getting to that point where you say, hey, 
I am important. This is not working for me. Let mm-hmm. me move on. Um, mm-hmm. So th- those are the type of things that you work on in therapy. And um, just just make sure your therapist vibes with you and that you are comfortable. You should be able to tell your therapist anything. Your therapist, out of anyone, should know your darkest secrets because you have to work through it. Everything that has happened to you in the past has has come together and made you who you are today. And you may be successful. You may be at the top of your game. You may have the relationship you want, but there's just something that that is nagging you. That part that's nagging you, that's the part that you're working with. There is nothing wrong with even people who feel like they have it together going to therapists. Everyone benefits from therapy. There is no one person who wouldn't benefit. Um, So that's very important that people don't be afraid of that. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like, you know, um, whether you are, um, like you said, in a good space or a bad space, there's no time that therapy, you know, is, is, a, is a bad idea, right? Um, even as preventative medicine, that's how I would look at it. Um, and then also back to the, you know, honesty thing, like, you, it's, I feel like you should never lie to your doctor, period. It's like people who go to the doctor and the doctor's like, well, do you smoke? Do you this? Do no, no. <laughs> right. Like, why are you lying to your doctor? Like, right, we're not cops. Like, <laughs> like, you're only hurting yourself because of your underlying factors or other things that's going on. They need to know these questions. They're asking you for a reason so that they can properly diagnose or, you know, not give you more medication, whatever the case is. But therapy is pretty much the same way. Don't lie to your therapist. Otherwise, they can't help you. Don't lie to your doctor. Otherwise, they can't help you. <laughs> right. And even more importantly, when you have your child in therapy, Not only do you have to be honest sometimes about yourself um, and the environment that your child is in, you have to be honest with your child um, because you want them to be able to go into therapy and understand that this is supposed to help them. And children usually do fairly well in therapy because they don't really understand the whole, hey, I'm trying not to look bad. They just go in there and spill it, (laughs) Mm -hmm. especially if they are um, having a good connection with the therapist. But yes, um, children also need therapy. Like everyone needs therapy. Therapy can start at such a young age because there is a thing called play therapy. And that's what you do with your younger children. And it's really about using their imagination to figure out what's going on with them because they do have issues too. So, um, you know, you just, therapy is one of those things we all must do. And we should just kind of look at it as an opportunity to have an objective view um, because most of the time we spend, especially us ladies, we spend our time talking to our friends. Um, you know, we might talk to a sister. We have a sister or anyone else that's close to you. But unfortunately, those people are majority of the time on your side. And that's not what you need. You need someone that's not going to be on any side. They're okay. just here to help you process and push you to understand what's going on with you. So, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm real big on therapy, as you can see. I can see. And I... <laughs> I just love this conversation because so am I. And I feel like, and and I say this, you know, I'm so thankful because I was introduced to therapy at one of the most pivotal moments in my life. And it was when I lost my mom. Um, You know, that was a very traumatic experience for me. And when I went to live with my uncle, you know, of course he couldn't necessarily, he didn't really know how to support me in that, but he knew that I needed support. And so he sent me to a therapist at 13 years old and it was the best thing of my, it was the best decision he could have, or the best thing he could have ever done for me at that stage of my life. Because had he not done that, you know, 
I don't even remember what I talked to this woman about. You know, some days <laughs> I probably didn't talk to her about anything. Right. But one, being introduced to therapy at such a at that age of my life, I no longer had a stigma about it, right? I, I didn't feel like, oh, this is a bad thing. No, I knew that it was a good thing. Um, and then also, whatever I talked to her about or whatever questions she asked me, clearly it helped me um, in dealing with, you know, the things that I needed to deal with at that time of my life with that, with that experience. So um, That is amazing um, that you were able to actually have that. That's one thing that I can say from um, my personal life that I wish I would have had. Um, my father died when I was ooh, nine, and I think that probably was the start of some pretty difficult times for me and I, I would have benefited from some therapy but like you said most people are not aware of it and they have this stigma against it so I'm so glad you are truly blessed that you were able to have that um, opportunity when you were so young and kind of um, be able to process your own grief that's wonderful yeah I'm, I'm really thankful for it and something that you said earlier um, as it relates to adolescents and to children is that you said, you know, they have issues too. They have challenges too. And I think that sometimes, again, societal and, and we know just, you know, from family and generational things that, you know, sometimes we were raised up as, you know, kids don't have no problems. You know, kids, they don't have, they don't have, they don't have a voice and they don't know what problems are and this type of thing. But honestly and truthfully, they're people just like we are. And they have good days. They have bad days. They have challenges. They go through anxiety. Same as us. You know, we tend to look at them and try to trivialize their situation. Oh, you don't know what life is yet. Or you don't. And that's so unfair to them because that in itself can be traumatic for them. Or then they start to, you know, close up. And then they feel like, well, I can't talk to you because you don't understand me or you don't want to hear me or you're dismissive of my problems. So then they no longer, um, that trust is gone. And then they have yes. to find other ways of dealing with it. So if you no. know, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yes, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know what I what I like to call that? That's generational trauma. Yes, yes, <laughs> I agree. It's just I the agree. repetitive, uh, hey, we're not going to deal with the, your child. Children should be seen, not heard. Just yes. all that silly all of stuff. That. <laughs> yes, and that they don't have a voice. You know, I, I, I think that... Um, I always say that the way that I raise my children, and of course, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. You know, we all learning as we go. So, and me being a young mom, um, I, it was definitely trial and error for me. However, there was just certain things I wanted to make sure my kids knew that I loved them. I wanted to make sure that my kids knew who God was. And I wanted them to know that they had a voice. And so we always would have conversations. Even if they did something wrong or got in trouble, we sat down and we talked about it. Now they might still get a spanking here or there. They're gonna be punished because there's consequences for actions, but I never wanted them to feel like their voice didn't matter. I wanna know why you did this. I wanna know how you were feeling when you did this. And and it makes such a difference because to this day, I think we still have a pretty great relationship. Now there are some things that I've learned in talking to them recently that I didn't realize that, you know, they had issues with or things like that. And I kind of had to sit back and take it and eat it because I want to know, you know what I'm saying? I want to know that you didn't feel right about this thing. And the only thing that I can say is I can make amends to you about it and say, hey, I'm sorry, you know, but again, having that safe space and feeling like, well, I can talk to my mom about any and everything is so important. That parent-child relationship is so important that you instill that trust in them at an early, early age that they feel like they can come to you. And as women, um, one of the things that we have to realize um, when you have children, those of us that have um, carried and birthed children, 
that we have to realize that um, our child fed off of us while inside of us. So while your, your, your son or daughter was inside of your uterus, all of the emotions that you had while you were pregnant, all of the experiences you had, whether they were good, bad, or ugly, your child felt that. And if you really sat back and look at it, you can actually tell um, some of the characteristics that your child is having and the way that they deal with um, the outside world. You felt that while your baby was in utero. Um, I like to give the good example is, um, you know, there are some difficulties within my pregnancy and I could feel when my child was nervous in me. I, I used to imagine that she would do this like kind of trembling thing and now that she's getting a little older, I can see that when she gets upset, when she gets nervous, she trembles just the way I imagined it. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, of course, I was in kind of in tune with that because I had at the time was um, going through um, residency. So I was becoming more aware of myself and other people's emotions. So I was able to kind of, you know, tune into her. And um, I can tell you that we we affect them. So sometimes I ha- I get down on myself because I feel like, hey, did I cause this? Mm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So it's all important. Um, you know, mental mental health is such a huge huge topic. Um, there are so many things we could spend hours talking about uh, therapy, talking about the actual diagnoses, the treatments. Um, the most important thing, and I'll just keep saying that, is that you understand that everyone has issues. Yes. <laughs> and uh, be strong enough to go and, and, and tell someone, hey, I need some help. Yes. That's, that's most important. Yes, and we're going to keep emphasizing that. And we've already been talking for about 30 minutes, and we haven't even gotten to the questions yet. <laughs> this, this dialogue is so good, and it's so important, and it's it needs to be heard. So I'm okay with, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. But I do want to um, d- dive into some of these questions. Of course. Yeah, for those who, um, you know, who are listening and, and need these uh, answers. So the first thing that we'll talk about um, are possible causes of mental illness. Um did you want to kind of, can you touch base on that a little bit for us? Yes. Um, so basically, me- and mental illness, again, is dealing with your brain. So the very first thing one should think about is your growth when you were actually in the uterus, when you were inside of your mother, um, the environment that your mother was in, um, whether or not your mother was a substance user, whether or not your mother ate healthy, she exercised. All those things kind of start the um, path to your brain developing and whether or not your brain fully developed and you have all the what they call um, um, neurons and uh, neurotransmitters and all these other things that are um, biologically connected happen while you were in uterus. So there are some people who have mental illness straight from the go, as soon as they're born. Um, It's obvious that um, this child is different, maybe on the spectrum. Um, You know, there are physical characteristics that go with a lot of the um, mental disorders that people do not know about. Um, To give an example, um, I think we all are aware of Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty um, common Um, disorder that everyone has seen, they've known someone, they've been in school with someone who may have had Down syndrome. But what people might not know is that those that are, um, that have Down syndrome, this is a a genetic disorder. It's a, um, 
it's a um, like a, a miss like a mutation within their genes, and those kids when they're little they have a lot of anxiety. They throw a lot of tantrum. Um, I'm sorry, temper tantrums. Um, so that can lead to other issues like depression because at, at some point they do realize that they are different than others. Um, also can lead to uh, voices. It's very common for those um, who have some type of mental retardation that they deal with psychosis. Um, so all of it starts out pretty early. And, and another thing that people might not realize is a child with Down syndrome eventually will have dementia. Like this is the path that's going to happen. There's, there's no way to get around it because that's how their brain has been wired. And it is of no um, responsibility or consequence from the mother. I don't want anyone to think that they just heard that and they thought, oh my God, did I cause this? No, you didn't cause this. This is just how things happen. Um, you, you, you can't really prevent that part. Um, so it starts out early. It can be biological. You also have um, your medical conditions. And that is... Let's, you know, you can talk about diabetes, um, thyroid issues, um, cancers, any type of medical issue you've ever heard of throughout your whole life could potentially cause a mental illness. And what does that mean? Some, something like hypothyroidism, uh, where someone's thyroid is under functioning, that can cause depression. But on the other end, if someone has hyperthyroidism, that means that their thyroid is over functioning oh, right. just hyper functioning mm-hmm. you get mania <laughs> wow <laughs> so it's just like it, it just really depends on what type of medical conditions you have could lead to your mental illness and then you have your own doing if you are a substance user um so those um people who struggle with addiction um such as alcohol alcohol is a um downer So basically, alcohol makes you feel depressed. It makes you feel numb. So a lot of people who deal with depression actually drink alcohol. And that doesn't sound correct. I just said it's a downer. Why would you drink alcohol? Well, they're looking for that numbness. Yeah, yeah. They don't want to feel that pain. So Yeah, they don't want to feel the pain. So they're looking for that numbness. Then on the other end, you have something like cocaine. Cocaine is, is a stimulant. So you get that high and you could already have depression, but now you done snorted your cocaine okay and you're all over the place you appear to be manic to people or you appear to be hyperactive to people so really um it's really important to know that every drug does have um it it does have a mental illness connected to it like a lot of people like to say that um that cannabis weed is not a drug it absolutely is because it can alter your brain um, and so they say, oh, there's no withdrawals and all these things. Uh, sure, it's not. But guess what cannabis does for you? Cannabis can also act just like the alcohol and numb you and doesn't give you the opportunity to um, realize your kind of own reality or di- dive deep into your depression. And cannabis absolutely causes psychosis. And, you know, you're just lucky every time you smoke. If you don't come out psychotic, you have you have beat the odds. You're lucky. But cannabis, oh, wow. <laughs> cannabis can cause psychosis. That's always um, that that is always a possibility every time you smoke. So um, what I like to say, since we're talking, I'm talking about substances causing mental illness. Hear me very clearly, people. I am not saying don't do drugs because that's that's just unrealistic. I'm, I'm a realist. Um, I know that people are going to have their vices. What I like to tell my patients is just go to the same drug dealer. 
<laughs> just, <laughs> please don't change drug dealers because you don't know what the other person's growing their 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 stuff in. You don't know what they're mixing it with. You don't know what they're cutting it with. If you notice that you use somebody else's product and you feel uneasy, don't do it because that means that they're using something that your body cannot handle. Forget mm. your your friends, your cousins, you know, your auntie that they they can do those things from that particular dealer you cannot so be very very careful about that and just kind of be responsible because even though you have their vice that vice um you can get from up under that and in itself substances are mental illness conditions and a lot of people aren't aware of that Mm -hmm. um the uh other thing is is your regular medications um that you may take for your medical condition so you were lucky enough your medical condition did not cause any significant um mental defects and then here you go and you're prescribed a medication and now you feel like crap (laughs) and it's like what happened (laughs) well medications also alter um certain things within you whether that's your brain whether it's the connections within your brain the receptors and everything and can cause some type of mental condition so there's so many things um that can cause a mental condition um it's a huge topic just like um it's important to remember your environment so if you grew up in a um, very tense environment, and what I mean by tense, maybe you were a person that had to witness um, physical abuse of your mother, that can cause a mental illness. If you're a person who was neglected by your parents, that can cause a mental illness. Those of us, um, or those those of you who grew up without a father, that can cause mental illness. Um, if you experience some type of trauma people like to like to think that they can kind of handle traumatic experiences but traumatic experiences are very damaging um to your brain and um i think most people are aware of things like sexual trauma um being assaulted physical abuse but there are other types of abuse you know a lot of people don't know you can be financially abused you can (laughs) like what (laughs) so there's just so many different things um and every individual is uh different and your your um I'm, i'm trying to put this in the right words your i guess i'll say reasoning um for your mental illness may be different than the next person it may be different from someone that is in your family and i think i forgot that part um mental illness also is genetically um, predisposed. Mm -hmm. So if, um, let's say, your mother has depression, there's a chance that you can have depression. Mm -hmm. Let's say that your great-grandfather had schizophrenia. There's a possibility that your great, you know, your grandchild may have schizophrenia. So you you really just don't know. Yeah. Man, you you, you touched on so many different areas I was like trying to keep up so (laughs) sorry (laughs) no 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 it's fine it's fine because I wanted you to keep going but like jumping back a a moment um to the um to the prescription um you know the prescription drugs causing mental illness I can remember when I was um prescribed a specific birth control that I was told to take and I won't go into the the long story of that as to why this doctor prescribed this after I told I didn't want it but anyway um, I took it anyway, and I noticed that I fell into a severe depression, and I couldn't understand 
what was going on with me. Like I had been depressed before, but this was different. Like I, my, everything felt different. I was waking up crying every day. Um, I felt hopeless and worthless. And like, I, I, it was like literally a struggle for me to get out of bed some days. And I just was like, okay, what the heck is happening here? And then sure enough, um, I, I decided to go back and look into these pills that I was taking. And one of the first um, you know, one of the first side effects was depression. And I was like, oh my God. And because going to what you said, the next point that you made about it being genetic, well, I already have a history of mental illness within my family. So, you know, my mom did deal with depression and I, I believe my grandmother dealt with depression after speaking to, you know, other relatives and things like that. So I already know that it's within our family. And so I guess maybe that combined with the fact that these, uh, these, uh, these, um, this, these prescription, this prescription medicine, it was like catastrophic. Cause I was like, Oh my <laughs> yes. God, you know, I was, I, I was felt like I was having a mint, like a midlife crisis then. And, um, and I had to say, you know what, I'm not taking this medicine anymore. And I stopped taking it and I slowly started to feel better. Once I stopped taking that birth control, we have to pay attention to the side effects from the medication that we're taking. We have to make sure that we know our family history. All of those things are such important factors. Um, my therapist, and I'm, you may be familiar with this book, but she um, recommended it to me. It's called It Didn't Start With You and how in, how inherited family trauma shapes who we are and how to end the cycle. And um, because I'm in a process of, of like, like you said, digging like all the way back to the very, very beginning and, mm. and, and going through all of that within my life, literally going and digging up every single thing. Yes. And, um, and starting from scratch and doing that. But this was one of the books that she had recommended for me to read. And I haven't started reading it yet, but it talks about essentially um, the, you know, um, how mental illnesses do, you know, it is genetic. It, it can, you know, be passed down through the family. So, yeah. Yes, yes. And to your point, just because I want to point out, because um, medications are such a uh, sensitive topic, um, yeah. people are against medications. And what I would like to point out is when that happens, um, like with you, you got the depression from the um, oral contraceptives, you want to keep in mind that you can be placed on another one and the, the same as I think will not happen. Um, it's just really about that specific medication. Right. Um, and, and even I can, to the same effect, I had um, an IUD, which is essentially the same. It's a birth control. And my first IUD had me so down in the dumps and irritated. I was, I was, it was terrible. <laughs> Just like you described, it was terrible. And I couldn't figure out what was going on with me. And finally, I decided to have the IUD removed because I realized that that might be the um, source. And of course, just like you, once the IUD was removed, everything started getting better. Um, and I later had a different um, type of IUD put in and had no issues. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know, so it, just really it just really depends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. I could see that. Yep. All right. So let's go to the next question that I'll ask. Um, as we were talking about me with the birth control, you with the IUD, we were able to recognize that there was something off with us. What are some symptoms or signs of mental illness that people may experience that, or they, they should be able to maybe identify how, how can they kind of tell, you know, maybe something's off with me. Um, can you provide us with some of those? Absolutely. Um, the biggest things to remember is that 
you, you may not realize what's going on. It may be someone um, outside of your home uh, that noticed something and may be able to um, help you kind of uh, like just zone in on what's going on with you. But first we can start with, let's say, depression. <clears throat> depression has very specific symptoms. You have your low mood, low energy. You may be irritable. Um, your sleep pattern is disrupted, disruptive. Um, and with that, that part is actually your brain. It's not because you can't sleep. It is um, your brain. Uh, you may have an increase or decrease in your appetite. Your sex drive may be lower. Um, you may have ruminating and negative thoughts. You have excessive guilt. Um, all of these things kind of just bother you throughout the day. And it just kind of goes on for days and days, weeks, weeks, months, whatever the case may be. Um, it's just very important to remember that if you weren't like that before and you're starting to feel like that, something is wrong. Um, and that it may not be just your environment or something that happened. It might not be any trigger. It could be your brain um, because depression has to do with um, serotonin. And that's uh, what that does is your brain basically has serotonin and then your brain disposes of disposes of serotonin so it just gets rid of the serotonin but when you're depressed your brain does it too fast so you're not having enough serotonin left around in your brain in order to keep you happy because it's your happy neurotransmitter um and so what what happens when that serotonin is not there are all those symptoms that i described for depression but on the other side for those um, people who have something like bipolar or schizoaffective disorder, you get mania. So mania um, <laughs> is going to sound like a fun day. <laughs> mania <laughs> is um, it's like an elated mood. You're you're you feel so high and not high intoxicated, but just high on life. You feel great. Nothing can touch you. You're invincible. Um, you're the best person in the world. You're just kind of grandiose and everybody's looking at you like, what? <laughs> um, you in your own world. You in your own world and you have a lot of energy. You done cleaned the whole house. You haven't slept or you haven't noticed that you haven't slept. But if you thought about it, you've only slept like two hours in three days, but you're still energetic. That's a wow. problem. Wow. <laughs> um, you might, when you're manic, you might feel hypersexual. Like I'm going to go out here and I'm about to bang everybody. <laughs> Now you're making it sound too good. Some of the people are like, I want some of that mania. Yes, <laughs> that's a good point because a lot of people who are manic are like, I don't want you to take the mania away, but I want to function. So I like to tell people, well, let's make you hypomanic. <laughs> um, another sign of mania, you will start spending money that you don't have. You know the rent is due. <laughs> Why are you going and spending your rent money on a uh, um, a designer bag like you do stuff that's out of your norm um you may be extremely irritable like you're getting into arguments with everybody you don't care who it is you're just you're gonna argue uh that's just gonna be a part of it your thoughts are all over the place it's called flight of ideas you just one thought after another and then you jump to another thought and then you're back to the other thought you're just kind of all over the place and it's it's rather annoying to people who have to deal with you <laughs> more sure. so than you um you may also um, <clears throat> have like an, in it's called an increase in goal-directed activities. And basically what that means, 
you know you're not a poet, but you done sat here and you done wrote all this stuff and think you done uh, became. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's like, no, these things suck. But you, to you, <laughs> to you, they are the best thing in the world because you just spent all this time trying to do it and you may just be writing. People will write literally notebook after notebook after notebook of nonsense. Wow. <laughs> So if you're experiencing that, you got to tell yourself, hey, wait, what's going on? And most times with mania, it isn't you that recognizes it. It's your, you know, it may be your your loved one in the home. It may be a friend. Um, you start calling people. Now, you know, everybody else sleep, but you up. Everyone else is asleep and you are calling people and you're calling them back to back to back to back. And they're like, what is wrong with you? You know, I got to go to work in the morning. You don't care about that because you didn't go to work because you were doing something else. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a real kind of rapid um, decompensation and decline in your functionality as far as your home life, your work life, your finances, um, school obligations. You basically just throw that all out the window when you're manic. Um, wow. So that's what mania. And then with anxiety, uh, anxiety is something unique. Um, and the reason I say it's something unique is I think everybody is aware of when they're kind of feeling low about themselves, um, might not recognize mania, but anxiety, it has so many physical symptoms that it really can scare you. A lot of people end up in the emergency room um, due to anxiety symptoms. Some of those symptoms include um, racing heart, um, you might be short of breath. You might feel like you have chest pain. Those kind of three symptoms are the ones that lead people to go to the emergency room because they think they're having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. You, <laughs> you may feel tremulous, like you're just shaking. You don't understand your palms and um, your whole body might be sweating. You just kind of feel hot all over. You may have um, some GI symptoms where you feel nauseous. You might have some diarrhea or you may be constipated. Um, you you kind of some people lose their inability to speak um, because they're just so worked up they can't even get their words out. Um, you start having kind of catastrophic thoughts, thinking that oh my god I'm gonna die and the walls are closing in on me. I feel like I'm going to go crazy. Um, those are some of the symptoms that happen with anxiety. And then there's different types of anxiety. You have um, what's called your generalized anxiety. And that's a person that constantly is worrying. Everything worries this person. It doesn't matter what it is. They're just a worrier. And that person's constantly going around kind of checking on people and checking on things because they're they're worried about it. And it really bothers them to the point that they cannot function sometimes. Um, also with anxiety, in it, and I'm talking about anxiety as a whole and not really breaking down the different disorders, but you what also falls as kind of like an anxiety is OCD. Mm-hmm. And the reason that falls under it is because just think about what a person with um, OCD does. They have these obsessive thoughts that they cannot control. And then they now have these compulsions, which are things that they do to get rid of the obsessive thoughts. And that just gets you worked up. So there's just so many different things that uh, so many different ways that anxiety um, can show its symptoms with you. And you just have to be aware of yourself. If you're feeling nervous, but it's overly nervous, you're probably having some anxiety symptoms and need some help with that. Um, let's see, another major um, symptom category would be psychosis. Um, psychosis is interesting because most people do not like to realize or actually do not like to 
um, let people know that they've been psychotic. Um, and I, I'm a true believer that everybody has had a loss of reality at some point. Everyone has had some very mild paranoia feeling that maybe some, you know, somebody is doing something to me. Is this person doing this intentionally? Um, those of us women who um, may have felt that a mate was cheating, you're like, you know, is he cheating? Is he not cheating? Is he is he doing this on purpose? Um, there's a lot of uh, paranoia or paranoid thoughts um, that comes to one mind, but it isn't the paranoia specifically. It's the the lack of function <laughs> when you're paranoid and um, obviously there's the auditory hallucinations which is like hearing voices hearing sounds um hearing anything it could be explosions you can hear fireworks you can hear animals you can hear babies it doesn't matter you're just hearing sounds that you know no one else is hearing you might have visual hallucinations where you're seeing things that you don't believe other people can see or they're saying they're they they're not seeing it like oh you know a lot of people might get grief like let's say your grandmother dies and all of a sudden now i'm seeing grandma sit at the end of my bed and she's talking to me that is a psychotic symptom mm. um you may also have um other types of delusions some people have the delusion that and this is a really big one that people don't understand the delusion of um it's called capgrass delusion and what that means is that you feel like your loved ones are not who they are they've been they, they're imposters they've They've changed. Somebody else is is in their body, and you're you, you don't understand because you're you're talking to your loved one, and they're saying you're not my mother, you're not my sister. I don't know who you are. Don't come here. That's a delusion. That's a psychotic symptom. Um, you may have this uh, delusion of grandeur where you're like you think you're God. Now we know ain't nobody God, but <laughs> some people <laughs> have this delusion that they are God, and or they might have a delusion that they're a disciple. Well, we know you're not a disciple, <laughs> but you don't know that you're not a disciple. So there are different things that um, psychosis can bring out. Um, and uh, I think those are the main um, psychiatric symptoms that most people kind of deal with. Um, but it's important to remember that mental illness can encompass so many things, like I said before, like sexual dysfunction. Ooh, I think that's a topic we should go over um, because a lot of ladies don't realize that what they thought was normal for them, like I don't want to have sex with my husband, that that's okay. It might not just be that you don't want to have sex with your husband. It may be that you're having some type of mental condition that's holding you from having sex with your husband. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, the, the since we talked about men, uh, men might have... I think we all know erectile dysfunction, but did you know that besides erectile dysfunction, you can have premature ejaculation? And it's just like, hey, you're mad that I ejaculated and I'm mad I ejaculated, but it may not be his fault. So, (laughs) you know, there's just there's a lot of different things that mental illness can touch on your kids with the ADHD or the autism spectrum disorder. Um, you know, the symptoms that would encompass that, the inability for your child to make the connections with you and other people um, is something that technically falls under the rim of a mental illness. Um, You not being able to attach to your child, you know you had this child, you grew this child inside of you, but you you don't even like this kid. That's okay. That's a part of a mental illness. That's something you can work on. So there's so many different things, basically. Man, yes. 
a vast amount of different uh and so let me ask you this um with all of them that you mentioned because i know the first one that you broke down when you spoke about depression and you said it was a serotonin so with all of these other um forms of mental illness is there a chemical imbalance is it still a serotonin issue or are there other um hormonal or chemical imbalances that um attribute to these other illnesses um, everyone has a different chemical imbalance. Um, uh, psychosis, for instance, is an um, imbalance with dopamine. Um, within, and to go along with dopamine, people who use cocaine, that's an imbalance of dopamine that you are actually causing your brain to have. Um, with anxiety, it's... Um, <laughs> look, now I have a blank. Uh, oh, yeah, so the whole whole blank. Anyway, uh, <laughs> there's just so many different type of neurotransmitters um, gotcha. that kind of deal with the brain and causes your brain to have these uh, mental issues. Um, so that's what the medication does. A lot of the medication, I think people think that someone's trying to put something in your body. And it's like, no, really what the medications are doing is either trying to block the receptors that is basically eating up all of your neurotransmitters or is trying to make those receptors more active so we can get rid of some of those neurotransmitters. But usually, not all the time, but usually there is a chemical imbalance. Um, just like when I when I said um, the thing about... Uh, um, erectile dysfunction and premature ejaculation, um, that has to do, or that could be a, a cause of that, could be diabetes. Well, that's not a neurotransmitter. That just has to do with the fact that your sugars are off. Mm. So there's so many different things that can cause mental illness, and it just depends on which diagnosis you have and what symptoms you have that will tell what is the cause. Got you. Okay. Well, thank you so much for breaking those down. Um, listeners, I hope that you all are um, learning something because I'm definitely learning something. I've been taking notes, um, especially understanding the difference between the disorders, right? So the depression versus the anxiety, because I have dealt with anxiety before and noticing how the different uh, symptoms of anxiety are more physical to your body versus the depression. That's more of a mental, um, emotional thing. Um, I feel like I've had all of these at one point, except for the mania. I haven't had the mania. <laughs> um, but the other ones I can't say that I've been able to relate to. And then um, what we're going to do is we're going to take a pause for the cause, but you guys want to make sure that you tune into the next segment. Because when we come back on the next seg segment, I do want you to deep dive into the sexual dysfunction um, because you sound like you were really passionate about that one. And then we'll also talk about treatment options and support a family. So guys, make sure you check in for the next segment of this so that you can get those other um, nuggets from this amazing conversation with Dr. Kears. Thank you for listening to the Women Empower Women podcast, and we'll see you on the next segment.